Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the show this week. And I have something dear to my heart planned for today, because if you've read my book, What Would a Wise Woman Do? Questions to Ask Along the Way, or you've heard me keynote speak, you know that my mom was a huge proponent of reading. And I even opened my book talking about an experience where when I was entering first grade, I literally walked out of school because they wouldn't teach me how to read. There's a lot more to it than that, and you'll have to read the book or go to one of my keynotes to to know the whole story about it. But I grew up in a home where reading was a foundational principle of life. And next week on Monday is one year since my mom passed away. So having my guest today, Catherine Stark, is really special to me because she is a world-renowned literacy specialist. And she goes and teaches people how to get reading to be a core part of curriculums and how to get kids to love reading. So for me, this is an extra special one. So please welcome Catherine Stark to the show today. Catherine, welcome. Thank you so much for that lovely introduction, Laura. You know, reading to me, I grew up in New York, uh, the Bronx and then Yonkers, New York, and riff or reading is fundamental Mm -hmm. was such a huge program growing up i don't know if it was because it was the 60s and the 70s or what but you know the libraries all had mobile branches that drove around to neighborhoods so kids could get access to books and you know the school library was a huge part of of everyday life as a student and i don't feel like that's really what's going on in this world today is that true or not It definitely uh, depends on where you are living, but you are correct. There, there's so many more things out there now as far as like compared to when we were younger and you were younger. And um, today, certainly we're dealing with way more technology. Um, And so the whole idea of the book fairs and riff and giving away free books, they still exist, but you have to be in a community where somebody is taking the initiative to organize that. I drive around my neighborhood here in Florida, and a couple of times a year I see these signs, Scholastic Book Fair now, uh-huh. and I remember uh-huh. how excited I was when the Scholastic Book Fair was coming up where you could buy books at school and my mom would like give me some money and she'd go, you can't spend more than that because she <laughs> she knew, I mean, she actually told me I can't afford to keep you in books because I just devoured books because she taught me that. And I, when we first met through, through Melody, yeah. I was like, this is such an important topic. Mm-hmm. And to hear that... You know, there have to be specialists like yourself to to tackle reading, which, by the way, great book. She wrote Tackle Reading. It, <laughs> it, it it's kind of scares me because reading is literally so fundamental to living on this planet. And you're exactly right. And it's 
it is the reason that I've created an entire world around reading and literacy. And the thing, your stories and your childhood memories are based upon how your home was set up. And children model what they see. And if your parents are taking you to the library and they're always reading the newspaper or, you know, they always have a book in their hand, it is evident that literacy is a, is a, you know, a primary focus in your home. And so what we have to do is we have to ensure that all children, you know, get this access to learning to read and get access to books because you're exactly right. I mean, you're, once you learn to read, then you can be competent in a variety of other subjects. And there's a lot of push right now for STEM. You know, a lot of people are having events and investors are going behind events called STEM. And then they're adding the arts and they're saying STEAM. And I always say stream, you know, with reading because you cannot do anything without reading. So I put reading in the middle um, and talking about, yeah, you know, when we do science and technology and arts and engineering and math, that's great. But we can't do any of those things without a good, strong foundation of reading. I love that stream. That's a great way of putting it. I, I have a degree in computer science, so I was STEM before STEM was cool. <laughs> <laughs> You were, definitely. <laughs> you know, I, I laugh about it because growing up, nobody talked about STEM. It just was curriculum. You know, we, we learned math and we learned science. And I was very fortunate to be in schools where it didn't matter whether you were a girl or a boy. You just, I had amazing teachers that encouraged and engaged you to learn all of those different things. I mean, yeah, I had my issues where it was like, well, a woman can't do this or a woman can't do that because it was 60s or 70s. But my parents said, don't let that stop you. That's so great. And that's what, that's what is necessary in reading as well is the combination of your family supporting and modeling a love of reading and then having a great teacher that knows how to get kids hooked on reading, and then know the foundations to creating uh, a literate, independent reader. All right, so let's talk about that concept you just mentioned, because it was it comes through in your book, Tackle Reading, and Amy's Travels, and so much of, of who you are as a person on the planet, Catherine. The idea that you have to engage you have to meet kids where they are and engage and model the behavior. You've been doing, or you've been an urban literacy specialist for a lot of years now. I mean, you even created a company, Creative Minds Publications, to get the word out and develop materials for that. But what's really involved with creating this global literacy movement? So it's several different components. And it, exactly what we just touched on. Family is a big piece um, and, and background and the children who have been perhaps not in preschool or not in daycare and then they come to school at age five. You know, there's this whole conversation of uh, a gap and, you know, America has an achievement gap and, and where is it and, and what is the reason? And honestly, you know, if you are read to by the time that you're born and then you're going to preschool and then you come to kindergarten, you know, you're set up already as a, with a path for a love of reading and success. 
a child at age five that has no books in their home and has not been read to or has not gone to a daycare or formal preschool that is teaching early language skills, that child is already behind their peers, and they just started, you know, their K-12 education. So that is one of the uh, big, big parts that, you know, we want all children to be able to feel successful as early as kindergarten and not already feel behind. And we don't want parents to feel stressed, you know, entering kindergarten for the first year. And so a lot parents don't say, oh, we didn't read with our children because, you know, parents don't always know what to read to their children or how to read to their children because, you know, not all parents are in education or not all parents were read to when they were growing up. And I've, I've never worked with a parent that um, said, you know, I don't care about helping my child read. I've never heard that. But I've had parents say, what, what am I supposed to be doing, Miss Stark? You know, what books can I read? And so a big part that we like to do is really starting with the family piece at an early age. So getting in the communities and, you know, partnering with nonprofits that really focus on early intervention and teaching parents how to help children with their reading. And the other part of that is all about the teachers and the education side. Because, you know, once you enter school at four or five, now you're in your educational career path until you're 17, 18. And then, of course, if you go on to um community college or higher educational experiences, you know, now you're on this track for reading success. And reading literacy, it is one of the most complex subjects to teach and often with the least amount of support for teachers. And so another big part that we do is, you know, I provide personalized consulting and PDs for teachers and schools and administrators to make sure that we're creating classrooms and schools that also promote literacy and that are really, you know, providing our students with the instruction that they need at their levels both um, instructionally and interest-wise to make sure that they are succeeding in reading so that they can do well in all of their aspects of life. I love I love that we're talking about reading while we're on the air on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're going to be yes. back with more from Catherine Stark, urban literacy specialist, reading consultant, author, and the founder of Creative Minds Publications. We're going to talk some more about reading and how you can help bring that into your child's life or into back into your life as an adult to my listeners who are entrepreneurs i read um, a book a week sometimes more because i have to prepare for my show but to me it's a joy it's a hobby so let's talk some more about that when we come back with katherine stark we'll be right back katherine you've traveled all over the world Uh, have you noticed any differences with how literacy and reading is approached different parts of the world Definitely. And it is evident when we have um, the literacy assessments that come out worldwide and that often rank our country 
um, between number 17 in the world and 26 in the world, and it depends on the age level that is taking the assessment. So recently, they uh, showed 15-year-olds taking a literacy assessment, and it's our country fell number 27 based on that assessment. It, it's a variety of factors. I will say in Finland and some areas in the Scandinavian region, they do a great job of starting with children in school at five and doing half-day schooling and half-day schooling focusing on language arts and math, the two you know basic principles of what we need that we're going to use in all other subjects, you know, math and science, reading in math and reading in every other subject. And then they don't add that full day and they don't add the extra science and the extra social studies and everything out until these kids have a solid foundation. That's huge. And that's actually, you know, such an issue that we have in many of our schools is our kids at five are doing um, social studies, science, math, you know, reading, writing. I mean, it's a lot. And how can you be so great at one subject uh, if you don't have just the foundations? So certainly that is a, a one thing to note. But another thing to note is just how, um, as communities, the difference in the respect for teachers in countries definitely varies. And this, just the priority put on education is, is certainly noticed, um, especially in uh, many Asian countries. You, they're, they're giant corporations. They, their big platform is education. And so that's just something to always look at, you know, in my, in my field when I'm traveling to see what do they say about their teachers and what do they say about education in general and that often reflects, you know, how children are performing in that school community. I, I listen to everything you're saying, and I'm, I wish that I had Facebook Live on or something, because my jaws really dropped. <laughs> you know, I noticed it when I was reading your Tackle Reading book as well, and the Amy's Travels book you put together, which is now a musical by the Latin Ballet of Virginia, which I think is just the coolest thing. But <laughs> but the reason my jaw has dropped is because you talked about how in Finland and stuff, it was half day school when you started. I remember kindergarten being half day, and uh-huh. we were taught letters and numbers and we did finger painting and we had nap I remember that it was absolutely hysterical (laughs) and you got your milk and cookies and things like that but it really was foundational of building things so that when you got to first grade but do you think that some of the reasons that school in the United States has changed is because there's this ever-increasing need to get our kids started sooner and sooner and sooner so that they can achieve more in the world? Or is there some other reason why the way we teach has changed so dramatically? I definitely feel like um, educators in general have a lot of pressure and a lot of stress. And that certainly comes from this whole idea of standardized testing. And honestly, that's a completely different interview topic um, but a lot of articles are, are being written and books are being written about how 
you know, standardized testing in, in America is, you know, is leading towards a lack of creativity, lack of innovation, and, and some schools are, are trying to fight back to this saying, oh my gosh, no, you know, our life skills are communication and collaboration and creativity and, you know, really trying to bring those life skills back into the forefront because certainly this this pressure of doing wonderfully well on one standardized test at age eight that has nothing to do with your, you know, future experiences or, you know, your college experiences is, is extreme. And that's why I am always wanting to tell parents, especially, reading is developmental. So, honestly, if your child is not ready to read at five, at five years old, that's fine because when you're reading to them every day and when you're teaching them rhyming and when you are, you know, exposing them to language and having them talk about a story, you're building literacy skills. So some of the brightest people that I know, they didn't read perfectly as an independent reader until they were seven years old and developmentally most children become independent readers between the ages of seven and eight or seven and nine. So I am very, very, very quick to say, here's how your child is doing in reading. Here are the skills we're working on. And they're six and a half and they're great. And let's not, you know, push a child when they're not ready developmentally because all that does is makes the child shut down, struggle, and then they might not want to read. And that's certainly not the goal of a, of a literacy leader. We want kids to enjoy reading and love reading and reading to learn. In, in your book, Tackle Reading, which has short stories from very diverse groups of people, including pro football players and and teachers and educators and celebrities and things like that in it, talking about their stories with with reading and how important it was in their life. I, I remember, I don't remember who it was, and I'm kind of <laughs> losing my thought train as I'm, as I'm paging through the book going, where, where was it? Why did I not fold that page down? <laughs> it, by the way, it, my mother would have never allowed me to, to dog ear a book, but as I've read so much now, I tend to because it's like, I don't want to forget that, that thought in that book, and I just don't part with books. Okay, so I don't remember where the thought was, but there there was this idea. Oh, I remember what it was. There was this idea in the book. I don't remember who it was. You probably do. That said, it doesn't matter what a kid reads. If a kid reads a menu, it's still reading. Yeah, yeah, it's true, and and that's the thing that everyone needs to remember as as parents and educators. You know, if a child is hooked on reading Sports Illustrated for Kids magazine. Please let them read it. You know, if a child is hooked on on reading comic, comic books. books, yeah, <laughs> it's huge. You know, and and that's the whole point. When children are three and four and they're reading the sign for Chick Fil A and Target and environmental print, that is reading as well. So reading labels at the grocery store, reading the menu, reading comic books, reading a nonfiction story is all about hooking kids to read with what they like and teaching them to read with those foundational skills um, to make sure that then they can they can take their word knowledge and read anything. 
<laughs> you're making me laugh because when I was a little girl, we used to drive from Yonkers, New York to the Jersey Shore where my grandparents had a house, New Jersey Shore. And a big part of things while we were driving, it was a two hour drive at a minimum, depending on what day in traffic. My parents had us read uh, billboards. It was a big thing. Yes. You know, there's so many billboards along the side of the road. And I still didn't really know how to read, but my brother, who was three years older, he would like say the signs. And all of a sudden, one day, I pointed at a sign and I went, Dutch boy paints. And my parents <laughs> were just thrilled and blown away because I, I knew what the sign said. And they're like, oh, did you just remember that? And then I read the next one and the next one and the next one. And it was because of these games that we played in the car. We weren't watching DVDs. That wasn't a thing back then. But it was games of license plates. Mm -hmm. What state was that from? It was reading the license plate. What kind of car was it? What were the billboards? Such a huge part of what what parents can do, what grandparents can do, what... You know, even aunts and uncles and friends can do when you're in a car with somebody. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I love how you have had those early literacy skills were built in you and your family from your earliest road trip. And that, the same thing is just even having conversations with children. Um, it's interesting how some people don't know how to talk to a baby. I mean, like a six-month-old, but you're supposed to talk to a baby like I'm speaking with you because just the more that you're talking to a child and, you know, saying, now we're going to get in the car and now we're going to go to the doctor and then we're going to go to the grocery store. I mean, you are increasing uh, vocabulary and you are increasing your language awareness and all of these components are necessary for our little ones to become successful readers once they come to school. I I love it. And we're going to go into the national news break right now. And I I think that's also fascinating because they say people don't read newspapers, but all of it is a way of learning and growing. And we're here with Catherine Stark. She is a global literacy specialist. She has a company called Creative Minds Publications, helping to bring literacy back into our daily lives with our children. So we'll we'll be right back with more from It's All About the Questions. Welcome back, everyone. If you're listening to us live and you missed the first half of the show, you can catch it on podcast anywhere podcasts are played, either on iTunes, on your Apple phones, on uh, Stitcher, on your Android phone. If you even go to laurasteward.com, there's a link you can press right away for different platforms so that you can subscribe to the podcast. If you do subscribe to the podcast, I'd love it if you would rate and review the show because it helps it get found. Post on your social media about any of my guests and shows that you might have enjoyed because in a lot of ways, this show is about literacy. We're here with Catherine Stark. She's a global literacy specialist and she's traveled all over the world helping schools and helping people grow literacy in their children and as adults as well and to me literacy comes in so many different ways the biggest one is about expanding your awareness and your perceptions asking better questions and my guest today is is just an amazing human being that is all about helping people grow through reading through literacy so Catherine we we had a lot of conversation in the first half of, of the show and 
during the break we were talking, the thing that really stands out for me a lot is I was very fortunate that my family really put a drive in me to learn and to read and to question and to whether it was comic books, whether it was magazines, whether it was a deck of cards, reading the numbers on the cards, whatever it may be. They wanted me to learn, to grow beyond my experiences. But you've seen where that really doesn't always get fostered in a lot of communities, correct? That is correct. And that just goes back to the whole part of really doing as an adult what you learned as a child and just modeling what was modeled for you. And a big, big part of of tackle reading now is to create a community of readers because when your parents and your grandparents and your teachers and your siblings and your banker down the street and your daycare provider are all talking about, you know, books that they read, that is creating a community of readers. And I have partnered with this organization called Read to Them, which is national, that is all about creating communities of readers. And we're, they are very well, well known for doing one school, one book, and one district, one book, where they choose a title, uh, often a, you know, a classic ch- chapter book like Charlotte's Web, and the whole school, each family is receiving this book. And there's activities and um, ideas to read this book at home and then come to school and do a lesson about this book. And, you know, a lot of schools will get super creative and do a culminating activity at the end, for example, you know, just showing the movie of Charlotte's Web or, or doing a, like a carnival theme about the book. And because we've seen the success of increased literacy rates in these schools and districts that are, that are evident in children's performance and schoolwork, we now have partnered with them to do uh, one state, one book. And so this year, uh, Virginia Reads One Book is in its second year. Uh, Texas Reads One Book. We're adding Mississippi Reads One Book. And so they get to do the community of reader aspect with their family. And we have a lot of organizations and businesses in the community that are writing checks to help put books in the hands of these children and then tackle reading. And and I come in for the professional development for the teachers and for family literacy nights because the whole goal is to create these communities that promote reading. So are the books that are picked for those kind of programs children's books or are they other level books? They are children's books. So, and it's usually like one of those classic chapter books. So it can be read by the fourth grader and then read aloud to the kindergarten sibling. But everybody's talking and having conversations about the same book. I love that idea. That's absolutely incredible to get everybody on board. And it's great for the author as well, whose book happens to be selected, but it's really amazing because there's some lesson in typically most of the children's books that can create a whole other conversation as well. Yes. And I'm a big proponent of looking at a book. I mean, a book that you've read so many times, 
looking at it from a different lens in how can you use this book to teach a lesson. So, you know, The Lorax by Dr. Seuss, um, which I happened to just read was on the banned book list forever ago, being that it's like banned book um, awareness week. But The Lorax, um, you could read for Dr. Seuss. But then also I would read it for Earth Day. Um, and then also I would read it to teach economics of wants and needs. And it's just so interesting because my students would hear that book, you know, two or three times a year. But when you set the purpose of reading for that book, so today we're going to talk about, you know, conservation and all of the life of the tree through this book. And then you bring the book back out three months later, but you're talking about um, opportunity costs and economics and wants and needs. And the children are hearing the same book for a different purpose. And I love showing how, you know, a story that you might have loved over the years, how can that be used to teach a life lesson? And books do that. I mean, all books you can find a message or lesson behind it. I still have a copy of Green Eggs and Ham by Dr. Seuss, which, you know, as a little kid, I just loved it because it was a, a fun story. And, you know, I do not love Green Eggs and Ham and, and all of that. <laughs> but then the guy just keeps asking a lot of questions uh -huh. like, well, do you like this? Do you like that? And, no, I don't like and, and so on. So, of course, it's all about the questions, but Green Eggs and Ham is one of the best books on selling and sales process ever, ever written. And amazing. it's a children's book. Yeah, amazing. And so many of the Dr. Seuss books, I encourage all of my listeners, go get a Dr. Seuss book and read it as an adult now because it really applies. Just like you talked about, Catherine, economics and this and that or whatever. Even the famous Cat in the Hat if you look at all the different pieces of it, it, it's not just written for little kids. There's a lot of other themes to it. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's talk about that. I mean, we've talked a lot about children's literacy so far on the show. I have a lot of listeners who are entrepreneurs or want to be entrepreneurs. They're in business. They're trying to figure out what's going on in their life. They may be having health crisis or personal crises. How can adults grow their own literacy? I love that because, you know, if we want to teach kids to be lifelong readers and learners, kids grow into adults. And so in order for us to get better at anything, we still have to be a lifelong reader and learner. You know, there is a story in Tackle Reading about Alfred, who at 70 years old wanted to learn to read. He had not learned to read. Um, the circumstances of him growing up did not, you know, provide him with the formal education that was necessary. And so Alfred is one of our 14% of our adult population today that are, uh, that are considered illiterate. And Alfred went back to school and was in first grade for a whole year just to learn the foundations of reading. And so at the beginning of the school, he's sitting side by side with his six-year-old peers, learning the lessons that his teacher is teaching. And by the end of the year, he's reading to the children. And he actually ends up staying on, you know, the next few years as a volunteer to teach these other kids, you know, how to read. And so that's one angle is no matter how old you are, 
you can still learn something. And in Alfred's case, he learned to read. In somebody, you know, like you or me or any of your listeners that have grown up reading, what is your newest interest or what is your next step or what is your new goal? You know, I always am reading now more about business and reading more about um, leadership qualities and, you know, certain things like that that I, I went to school and I majored in elementary education and got a master's in literacy. I did not study business. And so I read about everything I can to get better and grow my own business. But I ask three questions of adults because I want adults to be book matchmakers. So really, an adult to be able to match the perfect book to their peers, to their colleagues, and to their children. So I was presenting this week at a, a company, a corporation that had decided to celebrate Literacy Month, and which I loved, and things that we could do. And one of the final activities that we did was we did adult book club. So first of all, they had to decide, and so your listeners would decide, do you prefer usually fiction or nonfiction? So you decide that first. Then you need to think of the last book you read, your favorite author, and a, a hobby that you love, like a hobby or passion. Once you put those three things on an index card under the giant genre, give it to a peer or give it to a friend or a colleague, and they should be able to recommend the perfect book to, to match your loves as a reader. Oh, I and love that. It was so great. We did that at the business. We did it at a Literacy Day conference. We had over 50 people. We divided them into two categories. So you instantly went on the left side of the room for fiction, the right side of the room for nonfiction. Everybody filled out their little index cards of the three questions, and people walked away with titles and titles of books just from a fellow book matchmaker in the room. And it was amazing. Oh, I love that. What a perfect way to go into our last commercial break. We're here with Catherine Stark. And during this break, think about what book you'd like, like to recommend to somebody. What was your favorite last book you read? And tweet it out to at the Laura Stewart so we can get other people thinking about books. We'll be right back. Catherine, I was thinking during the break for myself about what was the last book I, I read and could recommend to somebody and it's so hard because yeah. I read so many books <laughs> and I'm very fortunate that because of what I do here on the radio I get advanced copies of books very often and the one I'm about to start is the latest one from Nicholas Sparks that has not come out yet and mm -hmm. I'm interviewing him live on stage on October 20th. So anybody here in the area, go to the Vero Beach Book Center and buy your tickets. So you can actually see me interview Nicholas Sparks live on stage <laughs> about his career as an author and, and his latest book. And it's so hard because I love books. I, I like read anything. Yeah. I devour anything and everything. But I know that's not true for everybody. That's that, right. Go ahead. Oh, no. I mean, that's right. I mean, and also that's the whole point of being like the book matchmaker because something that you loved, somebody else might not care to read at all. 
And so it's very important that we, we get books into the hands of kids that match their interest level first, um, and then their interest level on their reading level, their instructional level, that's what is going to help in the, the teaching of reading. And I tell people, I'm like, you can't unlearn to read. You know, just like once you learn to ride your bike and drive your car, I mean, you pretty much remember, even if you haven't ridden a bike in a while, you can pretty much remember the steps that it has to do to move you forward. And it's the same thing in reading. I mean, once you have been hooked on a book and you're, you have been taught the foundational skills in words and in phonics and in, you know, talking about what you're reading and, and thinking about questioning um, the book that you're reading, once you know those skills of the reader, those stick with you. And so that's why we want to, you know, expose readers of all ages to a variety of genres and topics and levels so that people can figure out for themselves what they like to read, you know, so that they can continue to grow as readers. There was one story in Tackle Reading by Ed Lucas. He's an Emmy Award-winning broadcaster. That one just got me so much because I remember my parents reading to me every night as I was a little kid, and this guy, Ed Lucas, was totally blind due to a Mm -hmm. sports accident when he was Mm -hmm. um, in his teens and he wanted to read to his children but he couldn't his kids wanted him to but he couldn't read the standard book and allow the kid to read along and I love that he found a way a company called Twin Vision for the Blind that provides free braille books for blind parents to read along with their children and he was able to um, read Pinocchio to to his son and there's so there's so much that's out there that we don't even know about to help that's free or very mm-hmm. low cost. Mm-hmm. And in in Norwalk, there was a program in Connecticut that my friend Stephen Bencover was very involved with called Norwalk Reads, and twice a year, kids were able to get two brand new books and one used book to that's take awesome. home with them, no charge. And yeah. this last year or two, the, the city has really changed it, the school system. They used to put flyers and stuff in and bulletin boards in the lower income communities and they would paper the cars about when it was. And the school decided, well, we're not going to do that anymore. We're just sending emails to everybody. So they've pretty much oh. eliminated the the group of people who really need it because they don't have access right. to the email and everything like Correct. that. And the program is Correct. failing as a result so and that that is why we're trying to bring back the whole idea of the community of readers as well just because in that one situation now we have a group of kids that you know are losing access to something that they probably look forward to every year and that that is sad and that is what's happening and that is why we love connecting with, you know, literacy leaders and reading advocates like you that are, are reminding people that, you know, I know that we've, we're in 2018 and we're super technologically advanced and, you know, we continue to grow in, in the health industry and technology and artificial intelligence. And you know what? We still have, we still have homes that don't have children's books. 
and that is an issue. I mean, it is an educational crisis. It is a, an economical crisis, and often it's not addressed. And so for you to take one of your shows and just address the importance and the value of literacy is so important. And so I just say thank you for that. Well, well, thank you. You know, this is something near and dear to my heart. And I want to make sure people, before we, this show ends today, how can they reach out to you if they want to do something in their communities or with their schools or with their own family and they're uncertain how to proceed? How do they reach out to you, Catherine? So please reach out to me on Twitter, Pinterest, Instagram, Facebook, at Catherine Stark. Um, easy to find, and then Creative Minds Publications, or you can Google hashtag Tackle Reading, and everything will come up about how schools can participate in Tackle Reading and how companies and organizations can sponsor Tackle Reading in a school of their choice and how families can become a part of you know, the events at home and how they can certainly make a difference in their family at home. Honestly, it's also National Library Sign-Up Card Month, and it's just the easiest way and the most exciting accomplishment to take your four-year-old to the library for them to sign a card in their own handwriting. It's just such a rite of passage, and it's just promoting a love of literacy at that early age. I'll never forget the day I got my library card, <laughs> and yep. I still have one to this day, and I still go to the library. Exactly. And I, I donated several copies of my book to the libraries where I live, and I went the other day, and I was so excited because I was like, oh, I just want to see my book on the shelf, and it wasn't <laughs> there. And I went, did they like take it off the shelves, and nobody right. wants it anymore? <laughs> Right. So I went to the card catalog and pulled it up, and they were out. All the copies were out. Yay. <laughs> and there was a hold. People were waiting for the book to come back so they could take it out. And I just <laughs> I just love that. And I, I want to throw this out there before the end of the show. Here's one way that I went through the library. I'd love to know your favorite library story as well, Catherine. And from my <laughs> listeners, tweet out your favorite library story at the Laura Stewart or on Facebook, the Laura Stewart. Um, I literally started at the first row of books and I took 10 books starting with a I took 10 books and then I read those and I returned them and then I went to the shelf just below it and took 10 books and I went through the library that way oh my gosh that's great (laughs) just just to see you know I didn't love every book but it it exposed me randomly to different kinds of topics yes yes and I always had a, a, a favorite book, I mean, that I always checked out. I mean, and if the book wasn't there, I remember it was like one book was called The Cabin Face West, and it was a chapter book, and then the other book was called Happy Mother's Day. These were books that I was obsessed with, and if they were not there, it was so just depressing for the whole day. Never mind that I'd read each of the books 45 times already (laughs) and it's certainly okay that another child gets the opportunity to take that book home but it was just a thing I knew where the book was I loved it it always made me feel excited and I would always go to that part and see if it was there and check it out again (laughs) (laughs) 
I, I love that. And, and I love the work you're doing in the world today, Catherine. I think it's so critical and so needed. So in the last minute or so of the show, last thought you'd like to leave my listeners with? I mean, really, everybody can help with literacy. And in America, we still have work to do. So definitely connect with me because together we can tackle reading across America. And again, the best way to connect with you? Catherine Stark on all social media platforms or creativemindspublications.com. Hashtag tackle reading. Perfect. I love that. And, you know, the show is listened to in something like 61 countries around the world. So anybody, if you're in another country and you're looking for some ways, please reach out to Catherine. Or if you have something incredible happening in your country, Catherine, right, you want to know about it. So perhaps it's something that can be integrated or worked around as well. Definitely. Because I know your book, Amy's Travels, which is a children's book about traveling to all different continents. Um, People are reading it and using it all over the world to help educate about diversity of place as well. Yes, it's so special. It's on six continents and 26 countries and children's books never go out of style. So uh, someone is learning about that new book that book every day, which is amazing. I love it. So, Catherine, thank you again for being here on the show today with me, and uh, I love reading everybody, so go out there, read today. If you don't have a library card and your kid doesn't have one, go get one today, and remember, the right questions can change your life, so what are you asking today? Hug someone you love and read a book to them. You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today.